Question, have your thighs ever rubbed together, creating a rash because of friction? Chafe is no joke, but thanks to Megababe, it's also no problem. Thigh Rescue is the anti-chafe stick made for chafers by chafers. Get Megababe's Thigh Rescue and experience what 10,000 five-star reviewers rave about. Thigh Rescue stops chafe. With one sold every 30 seconds, you better run to megababebeauty.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. We are Take the Black, and I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with the usual suspects, Isis, Corey Thone, and Corey Smith. We're here to talk about some things that we haven't been able to talk about in a while, because guess what? We've been on a little bit of a hiatus, I guess about a month, maybe, but we're back now, and we have some exciting things to really mull over. Um, the trailer, for one, oh my god. An amazing trailer, but we're not going to dissect that just yet. We do have some news coming out of HBO that Game of Thrones Season 7 and Season 8, uh, we already know we'll have 13 episodes between the two. 7 and 7, 6 and 8, and with episode or with Season 8, it was officially announced that there will be 6 episodes. And t- to go with that, there was also a bit of news coming from the HBO Game of Thrones camp that there will not be any supersized episodes in the final Game of Thrones 13 slate season slate, 13 episode slate, which means all those hour and a half episodes you were hoping for is not going to happen. Corey Smith, you wrote an article about it. Let's let's talk about it really quick. Yeah, I, I think it was probably mainly wishful thinking on our parts. You know, we kind of thought, oh, there's only 13 episodes left. They got a lot to do. You know, we're looking at the overall story. So we just kind of thought that X amount of the episodes were just going to have to be super long. But it turns out it's not going to be true. I think the finales, I think they noted the finales will still be um, a little longer than normal. But they already released the, the running time for the first episode of season seven and it's right about average. Um, so, you know, I think it was more wishful thinking on our part. I, I, the, the entertainment weekly reporter, James Hibbard, he, he broke it down pretty well and that, you know, everybody in television gets paid by the episode. So, and HBO was dying for more episodes. So if yeah, they had all they this were extra material, Right, exactly. It was it was David Benioff and, and Dan Weiss that said, "No, we only want X, you know, thirteen episodes," and they kind of had to fight HBO about that. So it makes sense that there wouldn't be a bunch of supersized episodes because at that point, why not just make another episode in general instead of making, say, three ninety-minute episodes? Why wouldn't you just make four sixty-minute episodes? Right, right. Or have, so it makes sense. It's I mean, it's kind of unfortunate, but I guess it. it it will 
you know, we'll kind of keep with the the flow of the previous seasons, you know, because if we if we got to the end of the series and then the last two seasons are, you know, 90 minutes, 80 minutes, stuff like that, then it would kind of feel a little out of place, I think. Yeah, so, um, Corey Phone, you're a connoisseur of fine television. Um, this is kind of a good thing, right? Uh, we're not really stretching it out. We're not looking for extra episodes, or really, sometimes when shows that are really good get into the extra episodes or extra episode links, it kind of becomes redundant and not very good at all. What's your thought process on this? Uh, I mean, I agree. I think that, I'm sorry that I started this sentence with, uh, it's been a long day. I'm better than that, so uh, sorry. It's okay. Also, I want to point out before I get into this that I loved the intro, Razor, how you took a running start at the microphone where you were like, Welcome to the podcast. Key Generation uh, X. I'm yeah, sorry. you, you really did. You did kind of DX us there. All right. Anyway, so I am not a fan of extended episodes for the most part. I think they should be saved for very special occasions. And I think you know, for I don't want to call any shows out in particular, but I will. Sons of Anarchy. Your entire. <laughs> that was last- where I was thinking. Your entire last two seasons, each episode was a movie, and the last two seasons sucked. Like, that show show went downhill. I did, too. I loved that show. That show went downhill hard, and the reason is they they didn't feel the need or the pressure, I guess, to wrap shit up. So I I think that there is – and I I honestly think, you know, Benioff and Weiss have given themselves these hard – end dates because they know that if they if they didn't give themselves this uh, deadline, I guess you'd call it, then they might be inclined to keep stretching it out. Jon Snow, is he going to live or not style, you know? So they don't have time for that anymore, and they don't want to have time for that anymore. They want to get this done because, God, they're, half the actors are, are a foot or two taller than they were when the show started. <laughs> like, it's just... There's just a lot they have to get through, and I think giving themselves this hard stop date is going to, I think, going to make the writing better, and maybe if if, if not better, could not say it's been bad, but more streamlined, and I don't know. I think it, it could work out for the better. Before we get go any further, Kurt Sutter really needs a win. God. Yeah, he does, because I... I Mayans I need never, to be good. What is it? The Mayan spinoff from Sons of Monarchy. It really needs to be good. Oh, they're doing a Mayan spinoff. Oh, it's already they've yeah, already got yeah, the cast it. and everything. But yeah. man, Bastard Executioner was awful. They had the worst thing. I refused to watch it based off the name. Yeah, the Bastard Executioner. Like, come on, dude. Yeah. You're you're better than that, Kurt. But um, Isis, how do you feel about the whole shortening of, of seasons and the uh, links being normal, except for they did say the finale being close to an hour and a half, which will be exciting because that means whatever's going to happen, John and Danny having sex and the wall falling, I don't know. What do you think about all that? All right, oh, well, first of all, <laughs> that's a joke. We don't know that's going to happen. First of all, I, um, I was part of the crew that was really excited hoping that they were going to go ahead and have um, a longer season, or at least the episodes would be longer. Uh, I thought that would make sense. But, you know, after hearing, after knowing now definitively that that's not going to happen uh, and hearing you guys talk about it, I think you're right. If it was just a longer episode, um, the writing probably wouldn't be as tight 
and the uh, the directing of the episode probably wouldn't be as tight because that now here they are trying to force themselves to fill gaps, and then not only that, but to end the episode at a certain point. Um, they already know, hey, you know, this many pages, this is about one hour of a show. Uh, if they were trying to do it differently, you know, to add more time to it, it could throw off the pacing um, and definitely, you know, the tightness of, of what's going on on the on the episode. So I feel like, you know, keeping it as it is, what they've been doing for all these seasons just makes sense. And then, yeah, having the supersized end the, or the very special episode of Game of Thrones, um, I think that's probably the best thing that they can do is do it at the end. But, of course, I would absolutely love to have you know, more episodes to, to see where there's, you know, what they're going to do or what's going on, how they are going to squeeze all the content into, you know, these half seasons. Um, I, I just really can't wrap my head around it. But, you know, I'm just going to have to believe in uh, Benioff and Weiss and, you know, just believe that they already know what the end game is. It's already written out and they know what to do. They so burned it. I'm just going to, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm just going to give it to them and say, you know what, I, I, you know, don't get me wrong. There's a couple of couple of seasons that they were kind of shaky, but uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say that you know they deserve the chance to go ahead and end it the way they want to end it, not how you know HBO wants to end it or fans want to end it. You know, this is all about them finishing what they started. And I wanna I wanna point out that um, Hibbert did not say the finale of season seven was going to be an hour and a half. I'm I'm just kind of guesstimating. Yeah. He did say it was going to clock in at well over an hour. In fact, right. well, at Willow an Hour is a direct quote from him. But to put that in perspective, the season two finale of Alar Mogulis, uh, 64 minutes. Uh, the children on season four finale, the big time where Brain and them made it to the Three-Eyed Raven's Cave, and we had the, the crappy CGI of the skeletons, that was 66 minutes. But last season's finale clocks in at the longest at 68 minutes. So... Um, that, of course, we all know what happened in that when we had the, the destruction of the Faith of the Seven, Cersei taking power, John being claimed the, the King of the North, and Danny sailing over the narrow sea. So we had a lot going on in that finale that, you know what, if well over an hour is close to an hour and 15 minutes, maybe an hour 20, I'm, I'll be happy, honestly. I, just get me to 60 well, minutes. Don't, don't make any more of these goddamn 45-minute to 50-minute episodes. Get me to 60, I'll be okay. I think it's too. It's kind of what ISIS was hinting at as far as Benioff and Weiss ending it how they want. They originally pitched it to HBO as a as a seventy episode series, so they were you know they originally envisioned it just ending at seven seasons of ten episodes each. So we're actually getting three episodes more than they kind of originally intended. So I don't think they're trimming anything. You know, as far as having regular sized episodes. So I think we're getting what they wanted. You know, we're getting a little bit more than what they intended, which I think is probably natural when you start getting into the process. It's a little longer. A show this magnitude and and so popular. (laughs) Right. And so I I think, I think it'll be fine. And and I think I'm definitely with Corey as Don as far as I wouldn't want every episode to be some hour and a half hour and 20 minute, you know, episode every week that would get, you know, kind of at that point, yeah, just make the more episodes. So I would co-sign on that as long I would co-sign on the longer episodes if it was just like, you know, you would have the episode and then there would just be scenes of John 
uh, Jon Snow just like, you know, whipping his hair, looking really like kind of <laughs> solemn and everything. I could watch like 20 minutes of that. So basically, basically Jon Snow all the time. Basically, yeah, Jon Snow. Snow just like, you know, like, you Jon know, Snow sleeping. Out. Yes, yes. Jon Snow taking Jon a Snow without a shirt on. Jon Snow. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Okay, let's talk about real quick. Um, the Entertainment Weekly has been doing a phenomenal and exciting job of covering the Game of Thrones season seven, and um, they had some exciting photos out. One in particular, I do want to talk about before we get any further. Real quick, did everybody see the gigantic Drogon picture that basically was the centerpiece of their photos? Uh, Danny's on top of Drogon. Drogon has landed, and he's breathing fire all over the soldiers. It looks amazing. Um, that that was something that was exciting to see from Entertainment Weekly. And then what I want to talk about, and Corey Smith, you actually found this and, and pointed it out in, at work. Um, the Entertainment Weekly spread was quite revealing, and I'm surprised that it got so revealing. Talk about what you noticed. Yeah, honestly, I was – very surprised um, at what I noticed. So I was sitting there, you know, we're looking at the pictures and we're doing our, you know, forensic, you know, analysis, crime scene. As is every you know, day in Winter is Coming group chat. Correct. Yes. And so, you know, I was looking and at first I was like, oh, where's Needle? And I actually noticed the knife before I noticed Needle. And I'm like, well, why does she have two? He's talking about Arya's weapons. <laughs> right. So she's got two. She had two weapons on her hip. She had Needle and then she has this other weapon. So I'm looking at the other one, and I'm like, that looks sort of familiar. So looking, 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 and then sure enough, pull up a picture of, I believe it's called Cat's Paw. Um, it's the dagger that that kind of set off the whole series way back in season one. Um, when the assassin goes in to finish off Bran and then gets killed by the direwolf and fought off by Catelyn, he's using a Valerian steel dagger. Right, and they find it, and it, it's obviously pretty, you know, significant that this assassin guy has a Valerian steel dagger. They go down. Littlefinger says, "Oh yeah, it's mine, but I lost it to Tyrion." And you Trying know, to cause then chaos. Right, then it sets the whole series in motion, which, le- takes, which led to Tyrion's uh, capture by right. C- Catelyn and his trial in the Eyrie. Right, and then Jaime attacks Ned, and then you know, they have to off Robert and I mean the whole series, but the last we saw of it was in season one as well. When Ned confronts Joffrey in the throne room and Littlefinger jumps up behind them, he has the, the knife again. And that's the last that we saw of it. I told you so, not to trust me. Right. That iconic moment at the end of the episode where he jumps up behind him. So that's the last we saw of it, and Littlefinger is pretty clear that that was it's a one of a kind dagger. So it's not like it's a repro- you know there's five hundred of them running around. It's a right. one of a kind dagger, and it's undeniably her, that dagger on her hip. So the and if we assume Littlefinger still had it, the then the speculation becomes that Arya somehow gets it from Littlefinger. That which would so, be which would be so gratifying right because there's you you consider the symmetry of that's the dagger that set the whole thing in motion via little finger he literally captured ned stark with it so there would be some and then you know obviously ned later got beheaded so there'd definitely be some symmetry to her using it to kill little finger if that's how she she gets it 
Corey Thone, do you like stories like this coming around into a night? Nice, neat little bow. I mean, obviously, this is the cat's paw, Valyrian steel dagger. We all saw. We've dissected it. We've magnified it. It's the same hilt, same jewels, same uh, fletching. Oh, not fletching. Same scroll work on the dagger uh, pommel. And it just, to me, it's such a huge reveal for Entertainment Weekly to just pop it into their into their, their front cover. And it's a collectible cover. So let me ask you this. Again, going back to the fact that you're a fine show connoisseur, some might even call you a show snob, um, I would say that this is kind of a neat little wrap-up to a long story, and how do you think the fact that Arya comes into possession that dagger plays out? I think she wins it in a game of rummy. A game, and, a game of sabbat. Yeah, there it is. What is that? That's how Han Solo got the Millennium Falcon. God damn it! Oh, sorry. See, I I really like I really like uh, uh, Star Wars, but I wouldn't have known that. Um, <laughs> the more you know. Yeah, I I don't know how she gets it. There's several ways she could. I mean, honestly, you're asking the wrong person because uh, Smith just went off on this big. You know, thing about how important it is and everything. I didn't know any of that shit. But you knew so, there was a dagger from watching season one. You probably forgot it, though, right? What? There's lots of daggers in Westeros. I didn't know that Littlefinger had a Valyrian dagger. It's specifically mentioned because the fact that we is found it? out that Joffrey's the one that hired the the assassin to go kill Bran. And it cut... Um, Catelyn's fingers to the bone because she was trying to stop it from killing her before Bran's direwolf, rest in peace, you great beast, uh, came to save him and Catelyn and rip the guy's throat out. So, I mean, it's an important dagger. I think probably the way it's going to be introduced into the series, into the next season, is <sighs> we're probably going to see some kind of downfall of Littlefinger via Arya and Sansa, and when that happens, the dagger will be proof because... You guys have to remember, and, and Isis, correct me if I'm wrong if you remember, but um, in the season one, in season one, Sansa was there whenever House Stark fell. And I would imagine that that dagger, there'll probably be some kind of little input in season seven when they'll come back in previously, previously on Game of Thrones, and we'll see that dagger at Ned Stark's throat. And then Sansa will remember that that dagger was used probably in a trial for Ned Stark and all that good stuff. So she'll remember that dagger, and that'll be Littlefinger's ultimate downfall will be the dagger. Because right now, he thinks himself as a aide-de-camp, I guess. He's, he's like the right-hand man of Sansa, and he's whispering into her ear. We saw it on the trailer we're about to talk about. He's whispering into her ear all the time, your brothers are no longer here, you're the greatest force in the North or whatever. But if this dagger comes out and she remembers it, and Arya is there, and we know Arya has no problems murdering people, he's in trouble. Oh, I agree. And I feel like if, if Varys catches up, you know, if he, like, morphs in or what it teleports in as well, <laughs> he, he could definitely, you know, as well say, hey, yeah, that's, that's Littlefingers, because he was there for all that shit, too. So I, I think that, you know, Varys could definitely also play spoiler i don't think he'll get there in time i think it's going to be more like what you said that it's going to be sansa just going to remember seeing it they're going to show us on you know on season one or yeah. something like that yeah. um but because they're going to have to tell people when the hell this happened right um but yeah i think that it's very most likely that's 
gonna that's what's gonna happen. And then as soon as um, as uh, Sansa sees that and puts puts it all together, oh yes. I mean, I mean, could it be that she goes and tells Jon Snow, and that's why Jon Snow has him thrown against the wall? Who knows? I, I think Jon Snow getting thrown, and we'll talk about this when we get to it, but I have this theory that Littlefinger is always watching everybody pee. No matter where you are, if you're peeing, Littlefinger's watching you. He's so creepy, so that's what he's doing. He's, Jon, Jon Snow caught him watching him peeing, he threw him against the wall. Anyway, uh, let's get to that trailer, man. It's really exciting. We've, we've talked and talked about really nothing really that important, except because... This trailer was amazing. This was, to me, in my opinion, the Game of Thrones Season 7 official trailer was the best trailer the series has had. And now I'm, I'm talking about trailers where, God, what was it, Season 3, when Danny was uh, going across to Marine, or she was she was sa- sailing across to somewhere in Essos, and the dragons were coming out of the water. That was an exciting trailer. That had nothing on this trailer. This trailer was absolutely amazing. Um, and do I, do I dare say, do I dare say that they are forgiven for the season seven date reveal fiasco? Oh God. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably what happened. They had to make up for that goddamn awful melting ice. They had to make up for something. I mean, it was terrible, but, um, let's talk about the trailer really quick and I'll start us off. We start Not really quick, man. I want to talk about it every second. Every second. You break Come it on. just every... Every every second? Yeah, because so Corey Thone is here, and his analytical experience on uh, trailers is amazing. Anyway, um, let's talk about the intro to this. We have Cersei walking into that ginormous map room, and uh, I don't know about you guys, but my next purchase for flooring might be a map of Westeros after seeing this trailer. Um, she's walking in, usual Lannister slow walk style. Talking about enemies to the east, and you see a picture of Grey Worm. Enemies to the west, and you see a ship floating that we think is Euron's ship, the uh, Silence. It looks like no ship before that we've seen. And then um, enemies to the south, and you've got a hand sharpening a spear. It looks like it could be Obara Sand sharpening her signature spear. And then enemies to the north, and of course that's Arya riding a horse, which is really exciting. She's on a horse. And um, we're really excited about these pictures. Let's break down the Spurk segment. What got you most excited, Isis, in that whole West thing? I have to say, her swagger, I mean, her swagger is beyond. Undefeatable. Yeah, it's just like she walks in there and she is just like, she is the shit. Like, she walks in and you can't help but take notice of her and she knows that hey, you know what, whatever happens at this point, it is what it is, but at least, you know, I'm just, I'm the baddest bitch in town, mm-hmm. and that and that is basically it, and I, I absolutely, I hate her, but I love that about her, is that, and she's always had this sort of, you know, air about her that she, you know, just very condescending and very, just have, has this swagger about her, I think it's the best way I can explain it, and, um, and this is definitely she is full on Cersei right now. At this point, she's got no children. Her brother lover is, you know, supporting her in this endeavor. I mean, she she is basically just like, hey, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. 
um, to, to the hell with everybody else, even if it gets her killed or whatever. But she's going to do what she wants to do. She's not going to be, um, you know, pushed around by anybody anymore because she doesn't have to. So she definitely has more of a swagger than she did before. Um, but that in that map, holy shit, that, that map map's amazing. The the colors and I don't. I'm not trying to be like really kind of dissected or anything like that. I just felt like what she was wearing, the dark clothes that she was wearing, and then the cl- the uh, floor, the coloring of it with the real nice, beautiful blues and um, and the real nice tans. It just made everything just it, which made it look gold. Really, um, just looked absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it really just kind of accentuated it and and showed how who. She's kind of actually poor. She really doesn't have any money because she's well, we not getting assume. any more. We assume that. We assume. Correct. We assume. Um, but, I mean, like, holy crap. It just it just brings it up to another level of how regal she is. Um, in Nobody her- does it like a Lannister, though. I mean, they there's no expense spared in, in this. I mean, we even see later on her army marching, and they've all got brand new armor. Uh, with golden golden lions and red shields, and even her new personal guard, they're all dressed out like Darth Vader. Uh, it's pretty amazing. But um, Corey Smith, uh, you like to look at the lore of, of Westeros. Didn't you bring up the fact to me that uh, the lands of Always Winter is not really uh, explored in her map? Yeah, I, no, it wasn't me. But I mean, it, it it is a good point. I mean, but. It, to me, it also looked like maybe they just weren't done painting it. Because ah. if you, if you kind of look up in the corner, you can kind of see some ladders and some like some buckets or some things up there. So, and there's just this kind of blue, you know, unpainted area. So I think they just weren't finished. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, speaking of lore, I mean that that shot there was some pretty big implications to that shot um, that I think. They were kind of subtly trying to to foreshadow things to come with from I, that with uh, Cersei on the <clears throat> right the, the neck so, the fingers right so Cersei Cersei standing on the neck which is uh, kind of a portion it's basically where the the kingdom of the north begins and it connects Westeros proper to the north and it the continent kind of narrows like you know, your neck narrows and it connects the head to the body. Um, and that's where Cersei's standing. And then Jamie is standing off to this, uh, to the right hand side. And he's standing next to a portion of Westeros called the fingers, um, which is actually where Littlefinger gets his name. It's kind of these, these <laughs> chains of islands and peninsulas that stretch out from Westeros and they look like fingers. Um, <clears throat> and so why that's important is the book theory of the, and I'll, I'll butcher this, but the Valonqar. Um, yeah, you're pretty close. Prophecy, pretty close for my Valerian's a little rusty. <laughs> um, in the prophecy, which they let, they, we saw the first half of the prophecy at the beginning of season five, um, and as it pertained to all of Cersei's children dying, um, and it was that little woods witch that young Cersei goes out and meets in the in the woods. Maggie the Frog. <laughs> Maggie the Frog, correct. And so in the books, the prophecy is much longer than just about Cersei's children. And the books, the the witch Maggie says, and I'm paraphrasing here, but you'll die at the hands of the Valonqar and he'll wrap his hands around your throat and choke you to death. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> 
And Valencar in, in Valerian means little brother, which is exactly what Jamie is. Right, because he was born after her. Correct. And most people uh, t- took it to mean Tyrion, because Tyrion obviously is the one that has the bad relationship with Cersei. But, <clears throat> you know, if you consider Jamie's also technically a little brother, um, it could be him. And so, obviously, with her staying on the neck and him staying on the fingers, it, in the book it says it says throat and hand, but neck, throat, hand, fingers. fingers yeah, it's all the Almost same. the same. Right, all almost the same. So that's what uh, I mean. That's what I caught when I saw that part. Other than the fact that Cersei had a big ass fur coat on, which was pretty baller, and obviously means that <laughs> winter has come to King's Landing. Winter so. has finally come to King's Landing, which is why we had to wait so long for a new season because they had to wait for actual winter to shoot these scenes. Um, Corey Thun, we haven't heard from you in a while. Let's move on down to. Uh, in the th- Iron Throne Room, we have Cersei probably doing what I imagine you doing every time we talk about things on this podcast, about breaking things down. She's drumming her fingers in the Iron Throne. Um, are you a Cersei fan? Has she come? Have you come around to be a fan of hers now? Because they, they're making her look like a boss in this trailer. So we're, we're going to miss Cersei whenever, or Cersei, whatever, whenever she's gone. Yeah, we are. Because there really isn't enough time... To build up another human, like, asshole. Like that. Like, there's there's not, like, all the other ones are gone. All we have left is, is Cersei and the Night's King. And you're on, but he's not really, and, well, nobody really cares. boring. Yeah, I, boring. I mean, honestly, in the, in the book, maybe he's better. I don't know. In the show, it's like he just shows up, but it's like, the king has a brother. Ah, the king's dead. He's like, he's the convief of uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> But I mean, I get Topical. why he's there. I, yeah, I get why he's there, and I think um, he'll have a bigger role to play this season because I think we all assume he's going to team up with Cersei because, of course. And um, I, I guess I don't know if she dies this season or not. I, I honestly don't know. I haven't read too deeply into the spoilers that were leaked, but it wouldn't surprise me if she did. But if she doesn't. They're gonna. I mean, it's like that's another season of compounded hate on top of her from us. So they're they're gonna have to find a way to like have her get her comeuppance in a big way. Okay, so because, I've heard yeah. this. I've heard what you're saying. I've heard a lot of people say that Cersei might die this season. This will be, this will be the last season we see her. And I'm with you on the fact that we are gonna miss her when she's gone. And that's why I don't think we lose her this season. Um, I think you have to have uh, a main antagonist. Besides one guy who doesn't talk and has blue eyes and just shows up randomly at different places in your dreams to haunt you. But I think that the Night King, is, while he's great and scary, we don't know enough about him. Euron is boring. We don't hate the Night we King. We don't hate the Night King, exactly. Right. He, we hate Cersei. We love and we don't hate Cersei. Right. But, the, yeah, the Night King is just a – he's a plot mechanism at this point. But we freaking hate Cersei and – and I'm with you guys. It, I don't think they can replace her, so I, I don't think she goes until close to the end. So, uh, moving on, uh, the next shot after Cersei's drumming on the, the Iron Throne, we see our, our man Tyrion walking to the edge of a cliff. And this is a very exciting shot because, to me, this is the first time the series has shown 
Daenerys three dragons in full color. We've had Drogon always being the black and red, slightly red, but mostly black dragon. Um, we've had but the other two dragons because they've been chained up in a pyramid. I guess they didn't get to flourish with their real colors. This time we actually saw Rhaegal and Viserion in different colors. We saw a green dragon and we saw a red dragon fly up past uh, Tyrion's head. And that's exciting because now we've got individualism in her dragons. Used to it was just Drogon and the other two. Now it's Drogon, Viserion, and Rhaegal. And Corey Smith, am I wrong? Viserion's the whitish green dragon and Rhaegal's the red dragon? Yeah, I believe you're correct. I believe so. And I probably am wrong. If I'm wrong, correct me in the comments and destroy me and crucify me, whatever I'm going to do. But we've got Tyrion with his hand to the queen pen. He's walking up to the cliff and he's all... Just It looks like he's just in awe. And my question is this, Isis. What do you think was going on with those dragons? Now, they, they're loose now, right? She's in Westeros. Tyrion's walking along a cliff just to see what they're doing. Are they out there just running military exercises? They're running like an air show and, uh, you know, just practicing? <laughs> or they're out there doing death and destruction. What do you think's going on? Uh, I definitely feel like they're def- uh, like flexing their muscles and kind of like figuring out Hey, you know this is this is going to be our, our uh, operating area. I'm going to start using military terminology here. Uh, this is our you know area of operation, area of uh, responsibility, and they are basically kind of lay, seeing what the lay of the land is, and and probably trying to look at some type of uh, good entry points, some weak areas uh, that they can go ahead and exploit. So They're flying at least reconnaissance, basically. They, absolutely, <laughs> and, and then you know they will they will see you know. They're they're the I mean this is the air war this is this is Danny's air war right mm-hmm. here it's mm-hmm. uh, it's in, in, encapsulated uh, encapsulated I'm sorry uh, in these three da- dragons this is her air war uh, I would just like to say though that um, when she's sitting on the on the throne she she's at her her old family castle right correct Dragonstone yes yeah Dragonstone I have to say that I was in awe of her when she like put her hand on the sand. Mm-hmm. Not to derail this conversation, um, no. because it felt like she was coming home for the very first time. You know how they, you know, and and I've seen soldiers do it, and I've seen uh, even the Pope does it. You know, when they get off the airplane, they get home, they go ahead and kiss the ground or whatever. You know, right. they're just so happy to be there and everything. And that's what it reminded me, and maybe I'm reaching. No, uh, I don't think it, you are it, at all. It, it made me feel like this is the first time that she she's actually home. She's you know she was exiled since she was born uh, away from her her family home, and you know she really didn't have any family at all uh, for the longest time. And now she has her three dragons who are her babies, if you will. You know she has uh, Tyrion who is kind of like a cousin, if you will. You know somebody who's going to help you out. And He's be there a blue chipper on her but, side. Yeah, she, I mean, she's got a whole freaking army uh, with her. So now she's coming back to her family home, and she's not alone. She she's she's with her people, if you will. Uh, so I, I felt like that was a really 
uh, for me, when she did that, when she was reaching into the into the uh, sand and you know looking up and everything, she was finally saying like I've arrived. I'm finally home where I'm where I'm supposed to be. I, and and for me, that was touching. I've seen a lot of hate on Daenerys. A lot of people say that she's petulant and that the whole line I was born to rule the Seven Kingdoms and I will. People get really annoyed with her, and I just think that there's too much. I don't know why. I don't know why people want to hate on Daenerys. Uh, obviously, I, she, is, obviously she's the, she's the overpowered hero of the, sto- of the story. Yeah, she hasn't been killed and brought back to life, but she has three dragons. She has an entire Dothraki horde. She has the Unsullied. She has houses Tyrell and uh, Martell, or Dorne, basically, in her pocket, and Greyjoy, half of Greyjoy. So she really is kind of overpowered, but you know what? That's okay because I think Game of Thrones is her story. I think it's about her. Well, I mean, that's just my opinion. This is, this is my thing about it is that, uh, you know, my feeling is a lot of times people have no problem when, you know, the, the female villain is, you know, has this kind of like condescending way about her. They have no problem with that. But once a, a woman who, you know, has amount, you know, um, basically by herself, gathered all this power and everything and now that she has just a little bit of swagger about her they're like oh no she she should be humble fuck that okay (laughs) she doesn't have to be humble she has done this all by herself and if you don't really understand that then you probably need to watch season one where she had nothing she had no power she had no say so and she i mean she has done this all on her own and she has taken several step back and you know made leap forwards you know, Danny, Danny was married off to so, a, a beast of a man who, for all practical intents and purposes, raped her for the first few nights of her marriage. Um, and then she he died after she fell in love with him. She got three baby dragons, but then she had to cross a desert where she almost died. Her and her, her uh, just a really thin, awful, old and weak Kalasar almost died in the desert. She was denied access. Her dragons were stolen at Karth. She got them back. And then she had to fight. She had to overcome battles in Meereen and fighting the Sons of the Harpy. She lost a trusted advisor in Barristan. And, you know, she was, she almost was killed in the arena herself. So, and then, and then she was captured by the Dothraki again and had to go through another trial. So Danny absolutely has earned this on her own. There's, there's, absolutely. I think, and I, and I think I she's think, a great hero to watch and follow. And I think that the fact that people are saying that, you know, that they expect her to be a little bit more humble because, you know, she says, and, and I will, you know, I, I will rule and, and I, you know, I will, I'll be the ruler. Uh, I, fuck that shit. I, I'm not, I'm not here for that. Okay. Look, you know, preach, if, you've been watching, if you've been watching Game of Thrones and stuff like that, and, and you've seen her, her storyline, I think that she deserves some respect, and I absolutely feel like, I mean, except for when we were in Marine for forever. But anyway, no, besides <laughs> that, fucking Marine. Um, but no, I mean, besides that, I feel like she deserves the respect, and if it was a man saying that, if it was Jon Snow saying that shit, nobody would bat a freaking eye. Corey Smith, chime in here. Yeah, I mean, I'm just... Chiming in an agreement. I mean, like, I don't under, I mean, I, I read all the hate afterwards about people saying, oh, she sounds like the Mad King and she sounds like this. It's like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? This is like the moment we've been waiting for for six plus seasons. 
We had to watch her wander around the desert, wander around Karth, and all this other bullshit. The whole time we were like, get to Westeros, get to Westeros. You know what I mean? And now that she's there, everybody's complaining. Right. It's like this is the moment we've been waiting for. For me, this is like – for me, this is the, the payoff of having to watch – You know, because parts of her story weren't always that exciting. Agreed. You know what I mean? Agreed. And so this is the payoff of watching her wander around in the literal and fig- – figurative desert for a couple seasons and it's like can we let's enjoy the fact that she is finally back home she's not off trying to rescue some city that we've never heard of that we don't care about she's back in westeros she's gonna take down the lannisters and it's like this is awesome why are we complaining about her finally getting back to westeros i didn't understand that part at all for people cory thone are you a fan of daenerys yeah, I mean, I know I give her shit, but yeah, I mean, she's a great character. She's had an interesting arc. The There was a massive lull in the middle of it where I started really giving her shit, but it's gotten better. Uh, I think last season I said if that season ends with her putting her feet on a boat, I would be happy. Yeah, so I remember they did that. that. Yep. They did it at the last moment, but they did it, so I'm fine with it. You know, it's t- it's time. It's been time, to be honest. That's why I'm not so upset they're only doing 13 episodes. That means that they're going to land the boats probably in the first episode. Oh, absolutely. As opposed to episode nine. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, that's – but, I mean, but seriously, like, it took forever. Like, that – whenever whenever we go back at this show – because, you know, with uh, with really great shows, I mean the best shows – there, there's even there's parts of of great shows that people shit on all the time. A lot of people shit on season two of The Wire, for example. I don't, but I understand who don't like it. How dare they? I agree, but uh, but it's just different than the rest of the show completely, and I understand. But uh, the Marine stuff and Arya's Terminator moments. Uh, her where she won't die, she stabbed <laughs> twenty times. All that stuff, like those those moments there, along with pretty much the whole last episode of season five, are gonna be the the three things that that stand out when this show is done. Is like that could have been handled better, I think. <laughs> so I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like she earned some of the crap that I talked about her. But when it's all said and done. I mean, she has dragons. How can you hate that? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, I think you can. I, I think you can rightly criticize her story in the middle, but then if you were criticizing it, it was because you wanted her to get to Westeros. So why are you upset now that she finally got there? You know what I mean? That was my main criticism. Was like, can we get this show on the road? Who cares about Marine? I don't care about Marine. Nobody cares about yep. Marine. Not even right. the Sons of the Harpy care about Marine. Right. Get well, to no, 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 no. I, I will say, I will say that, that more than just her being stuck in Marine, it was the decisions that were being made in Marine, and yeah. then there. But but also her character just happenstancingly getting surrounded by the largest cavalry in the history of the world. Like there was just a <laughs> lot of there was just a lot there that like it was very. I don't know, it just felt the same thing with Arya's thing in Bravos. Like it just felt like we gotta get it there somehow. The fucking dragon lands are in the middle of a, a pack of Urukai. And like that was it. So <laughs> I mean it's just kinda what they did and it was whatever. I mean they got they're they're there. You know, sometimes the the road can be a little bumpy, but when it's all said and done And she's gonna drop her ring in the, the middle of the meadow. 
Yeah, it, which that was straight from Tolkien, like when they dropped their stupid leaf uh, leaf thing. But you know, Legolas has elf eyes. That's his excuse. But what do your elf eyes see? But but I, but seriously, if the bumpiest <laughs> parts of this show, when it's all said and done, are those three things, it's that's nothing. Yeah, it's <laughs> but not I something. also feel that there's a component of as far as you know the fact that if it was a female, you know, because she's a female as well, that they feel like they have a, a right to criticize her if it had been a male. You know, let's say Jon Snow saying that they wouldn't even bat an eye. They would you, be like, "Hell you yeah!" You have a very you valid know? point. I think I, I I absolutely agree. There's absolutely a subset of fans who are like, "Fuck this! We don't want a female hero. We want a male." I agree with you that, but there's also another subset who are the Sansa and Jon Shepherds, and they really hate Daenerys because they feel like Daenerys poses a threat to Jon's sexual awakening with the woman of his dreams and they think Sansa is the woman of his dreams tell you I tell you this guys Jon Snow is never going to have anything but a familial love for his cousin sister he's never going to do that because we think it's icky imagine how Jon Snow who was raised believing that Sansa was his sister would think it was icky I know Uh, he's just going to end up banging his other sister cousin he's going to bang his aunt and that's oh, – listen, we don't – they don't know their aunt and nephew until later on after they've had sex and she's pregnant with his child. It's going to be revealed that he's a, she's his aunt, and they're all going to throw up. So anyway – going to pull a crying game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's move on. Um, did you guys know that the, the Unsullied run into Casterly Rock in this trailer? Casterly Rock or Castle – I can't even pronounce it. God hold damn on, it. hold on. Hold on. We have to talk about how – Freaking awesome Dragonstone looked. You know what? Where Go they- ahead and talk. You were in awe of the <laughs> fact when she opened that main gate, it was just massive. Well, because, I mean, think about all the time we saw Stannis on Dragonstone. All we saw him was in that little room with the map, you know, and we we never saw Dragonstone. All we saw was the one room. And Where I think Stannis we saw the- and Melisandre had sex on the map. Yeah, yeah. Right, or- and we saw the dungeon when Stan- uh, when Davos gets arrested. Right. We never saw Dragonstone, and so you, you know, in this trailer, she opens up these massive, you know, three, four-story tall gates, and then all of a sudden it's this, like, massive castle, mountain, you know, crazy-looking thing, and you're just like... Where the fuck was that for the past couple There's seasons? There's even a seawall there. Like when Melisandre later on is looking down there, she's looking at a seawall. Yeah, it's just this incredibly crazy-looking, ornate, complicated, just well-done. Like one of the best-looking castles we've seen on the show. And it's like, Damn. why the hell, you know, and it and we'll we'll touch on this later, but it just it definitely speaks to how much we we've only got seven episodes, but damn, they spent ten episodes worth of money on these seven episodes. It's so very so. important to remember with Dragonstone that that was created by the Targaryen family uh, when they right. fled Valyria, and it had to house dragons because the Targaryens Correct. brought their living dragons with them, and it had to house an entire uh, house, an entire family, plus their vassals like uh, the Valyrians. They had to come too. So like, and, and the Baratheons were married into it. So I mean, like, there's all these families that were sprang sprang out of Dragonstone. So it's it's much more it's much larger than you think. It's much larger probably than Winterfell. Uh, it's just a massive castle. Probably with a village and city and town of its own, like King's Landing, just in yeah, a smaller a scale. It's a port. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, 
but I'm glad I'm glad you brought that point up, Corey Smith. Let's move on to the fact that the Unsullied are attacking uh, the home base of House Lannister, Castle Rock, and they are doing it in a badass fashion. What we see is uh, the Unsullied pouring through a gate that has a Lannister L above it with the lions, and then in the next shot. God damn it, I gotta talk about it. It makes me angry. We see an Unsullied twirling his spear in a close quarter confine, and he's killing a Lannister guard. Why couldn't these goddamn Unsullied learn how to kill somebody in a close confine before they killed Barristan? Come on, man. I just think it's garbage. It's garbage. They must have learned from the fact that, oh, Grey Worm almost died, and Barristan was, uh, was killed. In a hallway just like this, so I'm going to learn how to twirl my spear. Uh, I know you probably don't agree, Corey Smith. We've had this talk before. You don't, do you? I think he might have went to pee. Well, that's okay. <laughs> Guys, oh, I'm here. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, no, no. went to pee. No, hey. he's peeing. No, no, no. Fancy uh, mic. It's got a mute button. I don't know how it works. <laughs> uh, no, the, the Unsullied finally look like the badasses we were always told they were. Mm -hmm. you know? That's true. And and I mean, yeah, like you said, they look like limp dicks when they were fighting, you know, the sons of the harpy, which were basically a bunch of rich kids with masks, <laughs> you know. So I, 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 you didn't understand that because we were told how much, you know, how awesome they are. So, yeah, it was cool to see them storming into Castle Rock. You know, that's going to be fun to see because we've never seen that. Even in the books, we've never been to Casterly Rock. No, yeah. so just in back back visions from Tyrion and all that kind of right. stuff. Right, yeah, they talk about it and, you know, whatnot, but we've never been there. So it's going to be fun to see that and to see them actually look like the badasses we thought that they were supposed to be. Meanwhile, and, in the North, Cory Thone, um, the, the men of the North have been chanting King of the North ever since the end of Season 6. Uh, and apparently they're still chanting King of the North in Season 7 because that's what happens when Jon Snow... Pops in and turns around and looks at his entire hall. What did you think of that scene? Jon Snow coming on the scene in his part of the trailer when they're chanting King of the North. And you've got a hall filled with not only the men that were there last time, but you've got Brienne sitting close to Sansa, who's at the table, and Davos is on his other side. It looks like he's chosen his council. And uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? Woo! Woo! Listen, again, I'm not trying to be an ass. Uh, but you are. I, but I'm going to sound like a butt when I say that was cool. I'm really excited to see what happens there. <laughs> but it really lo it looked to me like he was wearing, if we're going to do this, like he was wearing more <laughs> Lord of Winterfell type shrubbery on his shoulders. Or what do you, think, like what do you think the thread count in his cloak is? Uh, probably a solid seven. <laughs> like, I I mean, honestly, the hall was the hall was full of people, I don't know why they were there. Uh, they were probably, I mean, if I was to guess, he's gonna start sending out ravens and mm -hmm. also sending out people, being like, "Hey, so there's a bunch of ice zombies about to come down here and kill us. Please send me all your people." He's probably. And, I can see that note now. So, do you watch The Walking Dead? Okay, here's what's happening, basically. Yeah. In a except, except good. And, uh, <laughs> and you're a fan yeah, of The Walking I, Dead. I don't know why you're poo pooing on it. Oh, don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? But there's, <laughs> I mean, obviously he's going to be focused on. It's very interesting because 
you know, Cersei is like everybody's out to get me. And John is, and of course, you know, Danny is like, I'm out to get everyone. <laughs> yeah, everybody's going to be burned. And then Danny, and then John is like, yeah, I, I just, I didn't really plan on this. Can we chill for like five minutes? Time <laughs> I just got minutes. home, you guys. I just got yeah. home. Time out for five minutes. I need and, to poop. And, yeah, let me let me take a break. So, you know, he's he's going to be the one being like, hey, north of the wall is where we need to be focusing, not on each other. And of course... If I guess if narrative holds, he'll be able to convince Danny of that, but not Cersei. So yeah, no. Um, Isis. Uh, well, before I get to you, Isis, I want to point out that Corey Smith and I noticed a wee little boy in the group. Uh, so uh, if you're listening to this podcast, which you're probably not, um, if you look at the trailer when John's standing at his table. And it shows a wide shot of the room. There is a wee tyke on the far left, second person up. There's a gray-headed man, and then there's a, a little boy. And Corey Smith were trying to suss out who that person is. We don't know. We haven't figured it out. So there's going to be a young lad probably thrust into the head of his own house after the North was ravaged by the Battle of the Bastards. I would even venture to say... He might be, and this is just a wild guess, and Corey Smith, I want you to weigh in on who you might think it'd be, but he might be the new Lord. Hot Pie! God damn it, don't ruin my thunder! You stole it! It's Hot Pie's son. He's way too small to be Hot Pie. He's hot, oh, he lost a lot of weight. Um, he went on the keto diet. Uh, he, this, this is probably the new Lord of House Bolton, if it even exists anymore, or the new Lord of the Dreadfort. Um, because a lot of times when houses are decimated by war, the next up gets to be Lord, and we know that Ramsay killed all his own, his younger brothers, so it might be an offshoot of House Bolton. We don't know. That's my guess, because we also have, in Season 7, we all already knew this. It was announced that there's going to be a Karstark, and she'll probably be the head of her own house since the Karstarks were decimated. Corey Smith, what do you think about the Wee Tyke? Yeah, I mean, he definitely sticks out because in the room, I mean, you've got you've got Tormund, you've got Littlefinger, obviously John Davos, Sansa, you've got um, Homeboy from the Vale, uh, Bronze, John Royce. Yeah, um, and then you got a bunch of other guys you can't really tell who the hell they are. Right. Um, so it's this little kid. I mean, he looks. I don't know what seven, eight. I mean, he's he looks little. He's not just he's like little. a young. He's not a teenager. He's a kid. So. I mean, my thought is it's either <clears throat> since they kind of covered Alice Karstark, and she looks like she actually might be in the shot as well. Yeah, on the right. Um, yeah, because there is a woman in the shot with kind of a kind of a braid or some, it almost looks like red hair. But if if she's in the season seven, like we think, I think that might be either someone. For, I think it might be someone from House Umber. Oh, you know what? I didn't think about that because if House Bolton's decimated, then you're not yeah. going to get a Bolton. So I, that's I, yeah, a good I, guess. I think Ramsey probably took care of anybody and anybody, you know, anybody who might remotely be related to the Boltons. You're so right. You're right. I, w- I would guess it's Umber because we actually did see that guy die, um, <clears throat> uh, small John, uh, big John Umber in Battle. Well, of he Bastard. was small John. He's small John, but he was huge. You're no, small John was his dad. No, no, big John was his dad. You need to look, you need, look it up. Look it up before we, before we argue on online. Um, All right. So, anyways, yeah, I think it's probably an Umber, you know, a younger nephew, cousin, something like that, who has some sort of vague connection. 
and they're trying to bring the house back that's up. That's a great point. That's a great that'd point. Be, that'd be my guess. Uh, we move on to the fact that Creepy Finger is now whispering into Sansa's ear. Can, can, I, inter- can I interrupt something real quick? Please do. Uh, just, look at, just looking at this picture, uh, I noticed that uh, everybody's favorite ginger beard lover is sitting on the bench on the same side as Leona Mormont. And and he's only... Tormund? Two, three, four, five. Yeah, he's he's only about four people removed from the from the very front of that table. Now, if you remember from last year, when everybody was rooting King of the North, King of the North, where was Tormund sitting? He was sitting on the outer perimeter because he was, he was not them. He was not their group. I feel like this is something that's really telling and something that you guys have mentioned before in podcasts that, you know, uh, for his bravery and for everything that he has done, that maybe John may get, may give him land and make him become a lord. He might give uh, him the dread for so, Yeah, so I feel like this is this is really telling because uh, the fact that he's he's there, um, you know, that he's being kind of received and he's in the same line as uh, as Leona Mormont. Uh, maybe I'm reaching. Oh, sorry, I'm watching the video as we go too. Uh, and maybe I'm reaching, but I feel like that's really something telling because the last time we saw him in the hall, he was on the outer perimeter, you know, kind of high up, just just kind of like a spectator of what was going on there. Right. And now I feel like he's definitely kind of involved and in maybe even in the planning process, you know, involved in the planning process of what's going to happen. This so. picture actually looks like a call of parliament for John, like the parliament of the north because you've got actual seating on right to left and they're facing each other, so – I think that's pretty cool too. I think that's a, a, a <laughs> note worth uh, pointing the, out. The North, the North has a parliament. It, look, I mean, listen, John is not going to be one of those kings. If he says he's a king in the North, that rules by himself. He's going to ask all the great houses to have input. So, I mean, I mean, I'm calling it the parliament, but he's a Tory. I don't know, whatever the names are. Uh, but there's probably some back and forth between each side. Should we go to war? No, we shouldn't go to war. Should we stay here and defend? Yeah, let's defend. Uh, I don't know. There's, there's a lot going on in that shot that I'm sure will be revealed when Season 7 comes out. Great points by made, made by Smith and Isis there. Uh, Corey Thone, you did nothing to the conversation. Okay, moving on. Um, cool. <laughs> we have Littlefinger talking to Sansa. Once again, digging his heels in, trying to get under John's... I don't know, armor, I guess, by cracking it with Sansa. You know, he says, what does he say? Um, He says something about her being the power in the north, uh, the last best hope against the coming storm. Listen, guys, I like Sansa. I I like that she's evolved, and we had this conversation today with Corey, Corey Smith and I did. But to me, she's evolved into a fully blossomed character. She she knows what she's doing. She has a mind of her own. She saved John in the Battle of the Bastards and now she's the Lady of Winterfell. Um but I don't consider her the last best hope against the coming storm. Cory Thone. What do you think about that? Um you would you consider Sansa Stark the last best hope against the coming storm? I'm really trying to not be an asshole here. Be an asshole. That's why we have you on this podcast. She is not even the 17th best hope <laughs> against a coming storm. Seriously. <laughs> like, what we're witnessing there is Littlefinger playing his mind games on her. And try because he, he sees his path to the Iron Throne 
needs to come because he doesn't have a royal name, but right. Sansa does. If he marries a Stark, that gives him even more legitimacy as a as a lord, and also it gets him access to all of these people and their armies in that room there, and yada yada. I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. Right. Like that's that's what's happening. Is he is he's planting those seeds in her brain uh, of. Mistrust, maybe not the right word, but jealousy, or possibly trying to foster some jealousy in there. Jealousy is a about, great word. Yeah. About about what John has been given, even though he's technically a bastard or whatever. So, I mean, I think that there's. I don't think it's going to work when it's all said and done. I I do think that Sansa uh, has grown smarter than that, and she knows what his end game is. But she also, they, I mean, they need, they need money for one thing, mm-hmm. and he also has the Knights of the Veil under his command. So like, she's not going to can't kick him out yet. Although I have a feeling that the Veil aren't loyal to him at all. No, so. I don't think so at all. I think if you have if you have Littlefinger getting on shaky ground, that that guy that uh, Corey Smith mentioned, Bronze Jan Royce, the commander of the Veil armies, he'll take that advantage and he'll take the army for himself and pledge it to John. Cool. But uh no, that's a great point. Uh let's move let's move quickly through a few shots so we can we can catch up on time. But uh we get in case you forgot, there's a wall and it's got a gate. We see that raised. Uh ISIS. Um I'm 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 assuming that Bran and Mira called for a Westerosi Uber and it's coming from Castle Black and they're coming out to grab him, I hope so. Or that's the worst first date ever. Uh moving on we have uh, Theon, and probably one of my my favorite shots of the entire trailer. Very cinematic looking, staring uh, like he just he's scared shitless. He's he's shaken, and he's looking. There's fire all around him, and we're all assuming that this is probably a battle at sea. Um, Euron is probably attacking the Greyjoy ships, and he's watching his entire armada go down. And he's just like, "Welp, back to Reek." Uh, and then we've got another shot, which I want to talk about this really quick before we move on to dissect other things. Melisandre pops up into the trailer, and where is she, Corey Smith? She's on Dragonstone. She's on Dragonstone. Which was a freaking surprise to me. I mean, of all the, you know, we, we covered the spoilers for Season 7 relentlessly and nowhere in those spoilers did Melisandre showing up on Dragonstone ever you know pop up right so so this was a complete surprise and it was pretty you know she's she's up on a hilltop she's watching that seawall again Dragonstone looking awesome and she sees a group of people um walking along the seawall and she's kind of she looks like she's just up there kind of observing so contemplating right it brings up a million freaking questions because a if Danny is in control of Dragonstone at this point, which we assume she is, that would make that means that Melisandre's there with her permission. Mm-hmm. I I mean I can't imagine Melisandre is hiding in a cave somewhere or something, and Danny doesn't know hiding in a cave giving birth to more shadow babies. <clears throat> right. I mean, in a way, it makes sense that Melisandre would go back to Dragonstone because that's where she first came into Westeros, you know, when she was kind of seducing Stannis to her cause and trying to, you know, use him and all that stuff. So it makes sense she would flee back there after being banished by Jon. 
but just seeing her show up there and just be hanging out like, you know, no big deal. Like, oh, hey, look who's coming to dinner. You know, <clears throat> it was really kind of surprising. So, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it just brings up a lot of questions. If she, if she is there on Danny's, with Danny's permission, why does Danny give her that permission to hang out? Like, well, what would Danny want from her? I would like to bring up the point that the priests and priestesses of the Red God are now the official religion, thanks to Tyrion. Well, not the official, I guess, but they're there on Tyrion's uh, permission to spread the word of Daenerys. And I'm assuming, and this may not happen, but maybe she agrees to this. And when when Melisandre shows up, she's a priestess of the Red God preaching the the prophecy of the prince that was promised or whatever the 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 champion that will kill the long night so yeah i mean the only thing that i i the my best guess is that she got wind of the fact that john was coming it okay so spoiler alert spoiler spoiler alert turn back turn back turn back now it, it it looks as if she's a she's watching John walk up that seawall, which means John is there to meet Danny, which we kind of which means Davos is there as well. And if Davos Smith, is there, Smith, you unplugged your mic, you idiot. Yeah, yeah, which is why I'm picking up right in the middle of it. Okay, no, yeah, so Davos is there is likely there as well. So, so, but. The, you know, she's kind of got a little loophole there. John just banished her from the north. He didn't say, "Next time I see you, I'll kill you." He said, "If I see you again in the north, I'll, I'll hang ex- you." I'll... Right. So but Davos got... did say, "Next time I see you, I'll kill you." Right. But John, John's you know, in charge. John, John being John would probably say, "Look, we're not in the north." You know what I mean? So, and I think that 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 uh, Mel is. Firmly in the camp of John is the the prince that was promised. Azor Ahai, so, yeah. Right. So I think if she's there, she got wind of John coming, and she's there to like plead her case, you know, try and get back in his good graces, that sort of thing, um, you know, because this is a chance for her to speak to him without going to the north and risking execution. So that's that's my best guess. Isis, let me ask you a question. A lot of times. We see characters in Game of Thrones, and it's really this way with most shows that are on for a length of time. You see a character uh, rise and fall often in a show, but usually when they show a character rising again and they show good things happening to that character, that character dies, usually. That's the usual, that's the usual path. Jon Snow, Snow became a Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. He goes and saves as many wildlings as he can, brings them back to Castle Black. He gets murdered. Um, so let me ask you this. Have we seen – is Season 7 a curtain call from Melisandre? Will we see the Red Priestess take that necklace off in, in front of somebody and get gored? I believe that this is this is the last season we will see Melisandre uh, just for the mere fact, even in that in – that, moment that you see her looking down you know she she used to have this kind of you know air about her that she she knew she was important and she knew a lot of shit and uh i don't know if she drinks but she definitely knew things and now (laughs) she still doesn't know i mean you can tell that she's just still unsure about herself you know what i mean and so i feel 
that that's something that is going to come into play later on as far as um, her just either she's going to give up or I think that Davos is going to have his revenge on her, which I feel like at this point we should let Davos have it. You know what I mean? Like I think he's that it's it. just he's earned it. He he he's earned it. I feel like it, he never really liked her. He never co-signed on her. He always knew that there was something, you know, really not right about this lady. And then you know, for all that stuff to happen, I really feel like um, you know, and and she may not even put up a fight either. But I definitely feel like the Red Priestess is. Uh, this is her last swan song. Hopefully, she does not take the necklace while it's happening, and she's naked. Uh, <laughs> not, not, not because it's it's you know not attractive. It may be attractive to some segment of the population. I just really don't need to relive it. Um, but I really, you know, I want her. Even if she just kind of like she's, if she admits what she did, I think maybe would be enough. And, and maybe that would be enough for Davos to let her keep on living with all this guilt. Because if she dies, she's done. You know, she dies. But if she has to live her life, continue living. I mean, obviously, she's been alive for a long time. But she has to, you know, continue living her life, um, you know, like that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a horrible life to, to she's live. She's like 400 so. years old. She's got to be tired by now. But Absolutely. Let's Let's move on to a great shot of... A bunch of wildlings, it looks like. People wearing wildling clothing running into what is probably the greatest death trap ever created on Game of Thrones. They're running right down a mountain pass into an open frozen lake. And this is where we talked about, once again, spoilers, spoilers. We talked about this before on several podcasts where John takes a group out to the north to capture a white a ice zombie and they get trapped on a frozen lake and somebody dies i won't tell you who but his name rhymes with oros anyway he dies slowly and painfully and horribly but in this shot they're running and i'm telling you i know we've talked about this with Corey smith and you and i talked about it um a little bit before the podcast starts but john is leading this pack and it looks like later on down, and we'll, we'll skip back up, but later on down, they're circling the wagons. Um, I'm of the opinion that John's in that little circle trying to make a, a stand, one last stand. Um, but either way, we're getting shots without seeing the Night King in the trailer at all, or any White Walkers, or any Whites. We're getting shots of a group of people running in the north, scared shitless. Corey Smith... What is your thought on this? Yeah, I mean, I think we... <laughs> Sorry. Good God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're so, so professional. Oh, you know, for, for fuck's sake. It's almost like we don't get paid for this. Um, so... hour. I know. It, it. I think it was interesting that we didn't get any shots of White Walkers after almost all of the marketing leading up to this was White Walker themed. You know, the the teaser that came out like the day before the trailer was the Night King with Jon Snow in his eye. Mm-hmm. And all the stuff we'd seen leading up to this was White Walker. So that that was definitely interesting. I I disagree with you that this particular group of them circling the wagons is led by John. I know we see a group later on um that is led by John that, that appears to be screwed as well. Um, but I think this particular group is probably just going to end up being a, a, some random guys that get 
ambushed by the White Walkers or the Whites. Um, whether it's north or south of the Wall, I think this is just a random group of soldiers or Night's Watchmen that get ambushed, and it's not John's group. Well, I will point uh, this out. I want to point this out really quick. If you look at that circle, most of them have spears like wildlings would, right? But the guy on the right-hand side from the top, third down, is got both hands out, and he's holding what looks like a sword. To me, that's John, but agree to disagree. We'll find out when Season 7 comes out. But yeah, this is probably the... The most terrifying part of the trailer is we haven't seen any White Walkers, but we see people running from them. And we also have shots of Arya in a frozen forest trying to make a campfire, and she breathes cold. Um, is this Arya going home, Isis? Do you think is, – is this Arya going back to Winterfell? Uh, it's either Winterfell or the Wall. I mean, it's either one of those things. I think it's probably going to be uh, Winterfell. I, I hope she doesn't pass by Winterfell uh, to, to just go directly to the wall. We don't know what she knows. You know, I, we don't know if she thinks that John is still at the wall or, you know, what information she has. But I, I, I would have to believe that at least she knows that something happened um, at Winterfell or, or just even for – you know, hey, for old timey's sake, I'm going to go <laughs> up to Winterfell and see what's going on. Um, so I'm really hoping that she she is going up there and then hopefully she joins forces. Her and her sister, you know, lock, you know, sand, uh, Stark rings and they open up their superpowers <laughs> and some and, and some badassery is going to happen. I would love to see the sisters join forces and go ahead and uh, give it to old uh, old Littlefinger. While uh, John is, you know, searching out his, well, I guess his aunt, his, yeah, his aunt, um, Daenerys. But, uh, but I mean, that, that would be my ultimate goal is to see the sisters basically kind of join forces. And, and then not only that, but, I mean, Sansa, when she's by herself, I get, I get worried for her when she's by herself. So having her sister there, you know, basically maybe to, Think about strategize, you know, kind of things. Her, her sister's, you know, kind of a killer, um, you know. So I, I really feel that that would be beneficial. And then hopefully when John comes back, you know, the three of them, they can be the, together. We'll have a nice uh, family reunion like on the EW Exactly. I, I want, that, I want that, that picture in the magazine with all the Stark brothers and sisters and, well, I guess cousins now um, together. That would be awesome. So here's what I want to do. We're running really long on this podcast, so I want to kind of combine a few uh, of the shots together. So what we've got is um, – let me look here. We've got Creepy Finger. Little Finger, shadowy, looking around the corner of a room, and the next time we see him, he's being slammed into the wall by John, by the throat. Um, Corey Thone, uh, what <sighs> – to me, this says that Creepy Finger is following John around a little bit, sneaking and spying where he shouldn't be, and that's why John's grabbed him and thrown him against the wall. Other people have theorized that he reveals John's parentage to him, and John doesn't take kindly to it. Um, or this could be in the dungeon. John's coming to pass sentence in the dungeons with, with Littlefinger there. I don't know. What did you think about John slamming Littlefinger against the wall? I don't even remember that in the trailer. Well, it's very Bro. dark. It's very dark, and it's hard to see you unless you go back. No, and watch it's it. not. 
Don't let him off the hook. <laughs> it really is. It's sorry. one of the best moments I've, of the trailer. I've watched, I've watched it. I've watched it twice. I'm sorry, I didn't. I don't remember that part. I really don't. Well, but if if he's exciting. doing, if he's slamming him into the wall, he's probably going to bang him. So. <laughs> I mean, if I was to guess, we're about to probably, get some anger sex, aren't we? Yeah, you are, and it's uh, you are, and uh, where it's if I was to guess, I would say that Littlefinger's not telling him what, like he Littlefinger doesn't know who John's lineage or whatever. Nobody does. Oh, I disagree he's not so tell- hard. He's huh? I disagree so hard, but okay. I, I it, he might have a, an idea. But he doesn't have proof. You know what I mean? Like he he might have an idea of who it is, but I don't think he's telling him oh, your mother's Ayana. I think he's telling him That's a great something. impersonation, by the way. Yeah, it was good. Uh it was it sounded more like Carcetti than you know, <laughs> but still. I don't think that he's telling him your mother is Liana. I think he's telling him, you know, Ned might not have been the man you thought he was and uh or something along that line. And he said I didn't like your ribs last night. That you yeah, like that you. would that would get They're, you. They tasted really bad. So yeah. that, that's a great point. He might have said something about Ned, and that will piss John off, and that'll be uh, bad for Littlefinger. But also, combining more images, we have Dolph Racky Screamers. My God, we finally get to see. We saw it a little bit in the season six, uh, episode nine, uh, the Battle of the Bastards, when Danny was taking over Marine. Uh, finally, we we saw the Dothraki horde come in. We heard them scream. And then they came in and lopped off some heads from the uh, Sons of the Harpy. But now it looks like we're getting actual Dothraki screamers in action, horse surfing, riding their horses, jumping off the saddles, and playing what I call um, Lannister Polo, where they just chop off the heads of the Lannister guards with their swords because they're dual-wielding them, and just looking like just all-around badasses. Corey Smith... What was your take from the Dothraki cuts of this trailer? Yeah, they got the uh, they got the same upgrade that the Unsullied got. Yeah, you know? I mean they they look like the crazy, you know, barbarian you know warriors that we were always told they were. So yeah, they're jumping off horses and double swinging arocs and cutting people's heads off, and it looks amazing. So yeah, power to them. They they definitely got the. The same upgrade on the way over from Essos. Well, okay, so I agree, and that's, a, that's probably one of the most exciting things from the trailer is, is the Dothraki scenes. And we'll talk about one last Dothraki scene when we wrap this up, but let's get to the burning ships. Uh, we had what we saw, um, I don't know, what's his name, uh, Theon looking at burning ships earlier, and then we finally get what looks like an all-out Greyjoy on Greyjoy fight. Um, men coming across a ship, jumping onto another ship, which is a bad idea. Why would you set the other ship on fire if you need it for later? But hey, they're Greyjoys and they're all assholes. They're all assholes from Iron the Iron Islands, Dickhead Island, I guess. That's, that's the phrase. Assholes from Dickhead Island. Anyway, they're all there causing trouble and havoc. Um, ISIS. It looks like we might have trouble for the Greyjoy siblings. Are you afraid for Yara or Theon? I am afraid for both of them because, um, and especially Theon, because I feel like if he doesn't have Yara there, I don't know what, I, I think he may revert back to Reek. He may revert. I mean, that might be, yeah, I think that he, he may, it may push him to a point where, 
you know, PTSD is just a, it's a really tricky thing, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like his recovery thus far has been uh, not not probably recommended, but so far it has worked for him. But it's all hinging upon the fact that he has his sister. Right. And if he doesn't have his sister... She's uh, been his there, main support. Think, exactly, his main support. And I feel like if she is not there, if she's dead or just missing, um, you know, for, you know, being captured by the enemy or whatever the case may be, uh, this could definitely jeopardize his uh, recovery, you know, as far as the trauma that he went through. So I feel really, really, really kind of um, scared for him. Yara, I, I I love her. I think she's an excellent character. There's so much to her. Uh, if to see her leave, to, to see her gone, uh, I feel like it would be almost a slap in the face just because, you know, we've been waiting for her to come back after she tried to rescue Theon that, that first time, uh, at the, at the castle. And, you know, we didn't see her for a while after that. And now we finally get her back. And and the actress who plays her, uh, is just incredible. She has just an incredible, uh, presence, you know, when she's acting. And I love the way she's just, you know, she, kind of changes the way you can think about a woman being in power. You know, she has her own power. It's not the same way that it's Danny's, and, but it's completely fine. Right. And so I really hope for both of them that we can kind of see it, see it through. Um, but, again, this all hinges upon, you know, Theon, his PTSD, because I could see it going really bad for him if he loses his system. Right. And speaking of Yara, she does have a pretty badass woman-on-woman kissing scene with Ilaria Sand, of all people. People were shocked that this was happening because they thought when it first happened, it went by so fast and it was kind of dark that it was actually Jon Snow kissing Sansa. I don't know why they would think that. You goddamn Jon Snow and Sansa shippers are sick. But hey, it was actually Yara... Making out the Laria Sam, what might be the hottest scene of Game of Thrones Season 7, probably seconded by Grey Worm getting it on with Masande. She's ripping his clothes off. And listen, I, I don't know anything about eunuchs. The dude doesn't have all the, all the wedding tackle, but he's got a mouth. He's going to be a giver. Okay? He's going to he's be a giver. Be- He's going to be a giver, not a taker in that particular relationship. He, he He's going to be pleasuring Masande, and I'm sure she's going to be very happy. Um, but uh, those were some... I high-five Masande. High-five, girlfriend. Yeah. High-five. She's going to get it on in, like Donkey Kong. Uh, moving on, there was the line of the trailer. Once again, um, Liam Cunningham as Davos Seaworth gets the line of the trailer like he had last season. And it's, if we don't put aside our enemies and band together, we will die. And then it doesn't matter whose skeleton sits on the Iron Throne. God damn it. What a line, Corey Smith. What a line. Yeah, my boy Davos, man. He he just slaps sense into everybody he talks to. You know, He does. Everybody, yeah, I mean, you just, I would hate to, he'd be kind of the guy you, you, you know, you, you want to be friends with, but also he's going to tell you, you know, that drinking four or five Red Bulls and staying up all night is a bad idea. But you or know, doing a two-hour podcast, yeah, I yeah, and but he's always going to be right. You know, he's always going to be that guy that you're like, son of a bitch, he's right. 
you know so yeah that line was is definitely the line of of the trailer and it damn he he always delivers so he um i kind of feel like this is happening at the big spoiler 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 alert the big dragon pit meeting um yeah i mean that would make sense because i mean he's not going to say that line to john no you know he's probably not going to say it to to danny because i i just don't see danny and john having much to fight about so it seems like he's going to say it to the lannisters so that definitely would make sense uh yeah absolutely and then we go to the grossest table in all of westeros the map table in dragonstone and danny and Tyrion are staring at like um should we bleach this table or just burn it and start over because we all know that melisandre and stannis had sex in that table and i would not be surprised if Instead of like a landmass on the table, it was actually something. Oh, that's else. disgusting. I'm just that's saying. Disgusting. I'm gonna put it out there. This is the this is medieval times. Things aren't always that clean. Um, it was a residue. High, qu- high quality content here on Take the Black. <laughs> I know you won't regret this is it. What you guys have waited a month and a half for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're glad you're with us. Um, then we have the mountain in what looks like brand – well, it doesn't look like it. It is brand spanking new armor. It's covering his mouth all the way up to his eyes. It looks like he doesn't have a neck anymore. You know, this guy could not be more of a Darth Vader analogy, but hey, I'm happy with that. It doesn't matter. He's the enforcer for House Lannister. Then we've got a really weird scene where I can't really tell what's going on. People running across a bridge with torches. Whatever. Moving on. Um We've got John, what we talked about, slamming Littlefinger into the wall. Uh, the Unsullied going 300 Sparta on the House Lannister. Um, and then let's talk about this. Let's stop for a second. We have two scenes back-to-back. Arya bending down close to the floor and looking what appears to be under a bed. <sighs> Isis, why is Arya looking under a bed, and what is she looking for? She is looking for sexy Jesus. <laughs> she's a woman now, right? Uh, yeah, she, she's she's looking to see if sexy Jesus is hiding under her, her bed and is going to fucking kill her. Uh, no, I, I really have no idea. That that scene literally baffled me. Like, I'm watching that. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what am I supposed to infer to this? And, and it was funny, too, because, like, I was watching it with my husband, and I said, Book readers must know what the fuck this is. We don't. <laughs> I was like, We're baffled. I was yeah, like, no idea. I have no idea. I was like, I, no I don't understand it. I don't get it. It makes no. It makes no sense. I mean, so that was the only thing in my mind that I could think of is that she's she's um, uh, waiting for uh, waiting for sexy Jesus to pop out and like grab her leg and like pull her under. I don't know. A girl does know. not go to bed. Yeah, yeah exactly. No. <laughs> I mean, it's just. You know, it was just so weird, and it looks so out of place. Like, if they just didn't put that in there, it would have been fine. Like, the whole entire uh Maybe she's, looking, maybe she's looking for Littlefinger under her bed. Maybe she's at Winterfell, and she's just look, making sure Littlefinger's not under there. I mean, obviously, she does not feel comfortable. Like, she, she's worried that somebody might be coming after her, which she should, because she doesn't know uh, what, a, what Je- was it his name, Jarkhan? Jack and Hagar. Jacken, yeah, Jack and Hagar. Sexy Jesus. Sexy Jesus, uh, it, yeah. it, If he's on her heels, if he's coming after her, I mean, she she really has no idea. Excuse me. 
I'm fighting a cold. <coughs> she has no uh, she has no idea if they're coming after her or not. But I feel like yeah, she's really worried that there's a distinct possibility of that happening. You know, me personally, I I could really care less about that whole entire scene. Yeah, I really. It's wanted, very odd to me. I, I don't know. I I, I find it, it odd. It was, and I, at all the other scenes, you can kind of, like, make sense of it. You can see it and just, like, okay, well, this is what's going on. This is what's going on. That one is completely oddball, uh, does not make sense whatsoever. I mean, you, you can't really – it doesn't feel like it without some more context uh, kind of move the story forward or whatever. Uh, well, now, the, the last scene was my favorite, though. Well, speaking of odd scenes, but we know where it's kind of going on here, Corey Smith – uh, Jorah Mormont has found the the uh, oddest glory hole in all of Westeros, and he's sticking his arm through it. Um, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? Does that arm look like it's got grayscale, or has it been charred? I think it was a little, probably a little bit of both, um, to be honest. It, it did look charred, uh, kind of in between the in between the scales. It looked a little, you know, like red or fiery kind of thing. But mm-hmm. it definitely looked like it, it, he had some scales or some scaling going on. So to me, it seems like he, that scene probably is like whatever treatment they kind of came up with, you know, dropping him in a volcano or having <laughs> him being burned by one of the dragons or whatever it is. It seems like he's kind of being quarantined after that is, is yeah. kind of what I what I took from that. So um, but it's definitely him. They, you know, they people have dissected the fingernails and the links of the thumb and i mean it's definitely i mean and how many people have west i mean how many people have grayscale and westeros right as far as the story is concerned so i mean that that's definitely him and i i think you know he one way or another he's being quarantined whether he's at the citadel or he's back on dragonstone with danny he's definitely being quarantined and something's going on with his grayscale. So. Many people have theorized that he's at he's at the Citadel and he runs into Sam, who helps him try to cure the grayscale, because Sam finds yeah. a cure for it in the books, while or Gilly finds it or whatever while they're reading books. Yeah, whatever. and I mean he could have, yeah, Sam could have come up with some sort of fire, you know, some sort of potion that he puts on and it kind of burns it off, and so that's I can why. I hear it now. Well, we need to take you back to Dragonstone, where. Daenerys is her dragons. That's a terrible accent. I'm sorry, guys. I apologize that I did that, but something like that. Anyway, uh, let's move on to a really exciting scene. Jon Snow running like um, he's a scalded dog with Tormund just behind him. And to me, this says, you know, I don't have to outrun the White Walkers. I just have to outrun you, Tormund, old pal. But uh, Jon Snow is definitely the fastest in that group. Um, we already talked about the... Do not put that voodoo on my baby Tormund. Okay. <laughs> well, you can't have it both ways. You've got your you you've got your cinnamon roll and your baby Tormund. I'm you got to uh, pick. Yeah. No, I don't. That's where you're wrong. That that's, that is where you are wrong. So you might have to in that scene. You might have I, to. I, it might be one of the two of them. Tormund better be kicking some mofos better behind him down, and so that way he can get to the front. And and I, I have to think that you know or wonder. If uh, Brienne is there, or did she stay back uh, to, to, to of course, you know, protect Sansa? Well, we which, think if she, we think Brienne stays back with Sansa. Sansa would uh, she needs to protect Sansa. She has no interest in doing the bidding of Jon Snow unless Sansa tells her to do. 
So um, she's she's loyal to Sansa, so I don't think she would leave her. That's that's our theory, and I'm sticking to it anyway. No, I mean it sounds like it's a pretty sound theory, uh, especially I think didn't someone have pictures of of Tormund um, at at, at uh, Castle Castle Black? Yeah, it was the Entertainment and, Weekly uh, behind the scenes. They showed Tormund and Brienne both at Winterfell. Yeah, and he looks like again he's leaving and she's yeah. looking. You know, like disgusted, like ugh. But um, you know, I I just I feel like again that I they better not kill Tormund. He is such a fan favorite. Oh, I, I agree. I, think, I agree. I, I think at this point, man, let that guy live on. You know, because he's just he really has done. Uh, I, and I don't know, you know, how much he has in the books, but I mean, he has just become. A, a huge part of he really King's has run. he really has so um, I, I'd really hate to see him leave so quickly we we see uh, what we think is Tyrion's hand knocking over a Lannister map marker um, that's an easy go through um, and then we have really quick Corey Smith I want to talk to you about the person jumping into the water with the flames going over him uh, that this could be again spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert. Turn back now if you don't want to hear this. Too late if you haven't. Uh, there's two ways this could go, Corey Smith. And the first one is it's Theon. It's simply Theon jumping into the water. It looks like somebody's jumping in with him, like they're saving Theon or Theon saving them. They're going into the water, and then a big explosion of fire goes across the screen. That's one way to simply interpret it. Secondly, there's another way to interpret it. This is Braun and Jamie on the field, the, the field of fire 2.0, and Braun is knocking Jamie into either a pond or some kind of water that's there on the field. Or maybe they're close to the ocean side, he knocks him into the ocean, whatever. As Drogon breathes fire, nearly crisping them to death. What do you, what's your take there, Corey Smith? I mean, you, you kind of nailed it. I think you can go either way with it. Um, it's either Theon at that battle or Jamie and Braun. And I, I think if I remember correctly, there was the, the spoiler that came out that when Jamie and Braun are ambushed uh, by yeah. by the by Dra- by Drogon and the Dothraki, that it's by water. Right, right, right. They, they fight so in a seaside it, town, so yeah. It, right, so it very well could be Braun kind of quick thinking and tossing them into the water because they're about to get torched. Um, if I if I had to guess, just because it looks like it's kind of a dark scene. Um, it would match up with that other Theon scene where there's kind of fire in the background and then right. the the boat that's on fire that we see in the other scene in the trailer. So if I had to guess, I would I would put my money on this being Theon getting blown into the water or knocked into the water um, during that battle. I mean, he could even be dragged in by someone he's fighting. Right. So, you know, it, it could go a lot of different ways, but my guess is that's Theon. Um, which would line up with other spoilers that we've heard that he survives whatever battle that is at sea. So uh, I, I definitely think that, uh, yeah, if I had to guess, it, it would be Theon. And then, Isis, we get to the very last scene of the trailer. How breathtaking was it to see the Dothraki horde coming towards the camera with Daenerys on a 747 size Drogon? Charging towards what we think is House Lannister and their armies. What do you think about that scene? 
ISIS. It was it was absolutely gorgeous. Sorry, I was talking to a, okay. a muted mic. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, it was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, to see how the wings are just sprawled out, and you see just this this massive contingent just you know basically just running up. Um, it was just picturesque. I mean, I don't think they could have made it any more beautiful. And um, and you hear the the stomping of the the horses and stuff like that, and you just see this dragon just getting closer and closer and closer. And you you have to kind of go and say that Cersei has to be shitting herself at this point. <laughs> shitting herself, I mean, silly. I, yep. I mean, I don't care who. I don't care how much swagger she has. She has to. Her her and her brother have to be shitting themselves. Like. What the fuck? I and I have to uh, uh, think that uh, what's his name? Oh my god, our favorite guy, our um, the uh, the guy that was with uh, um, Jamie this last Ron. time, Ron. Yeah, sorry, Ron has to be like, where the fuck is the other Lannister? Because I'm going to that fucking fuck side it. over there. Fuck it, I'm going back to Tyrion. Yes, fuck <laughs> it, fuck it. I'm going. And and he's leaving his wife behind him. He's like, fuck this shit. I'm leaving. I'm out. Um, you know, I, I it just it's so overwhelming just looking at it from that point of view. And and I love the fact that they gave us the point of view of the way it would look from Cersei's point of view. Yeah, the you Lannister know, army, it, absolutely. Yeah, coming to them. And you just have to think that some of those people are gonna you know, it's one thing to see that whole entire army and the Lannister army army has seen that before, but to see a fucking dragon coming towards you and then start breathing fire, yeah, yeah. some of those mofos are going to turn around and get the hell out of there, and um, and so that's what I feel like it's just going to be the most. It, this is going to be the part where you're going to want to go ahead and put your surround sound on and your subwoofer and <laughs> crank that motherfucker high. This is true. And you're just going to. You're just going to want to sit there and just feel that Soak vibration. It Soak it in. Soak it in. Because this is what we've been waiting for, basically. For seven for, years. I don't know. Yeah. For it, seven seasons. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be. Go and I mean, we, we, no, I was just going to, we, we kind of touched on this earlier. Just the overall feel of this trailer. It, it looks cinematic it looks like a movie it does not look like a television show I agree and show many so many shots of the trailer you know in the trailer you know they don't normally reveal the money shots you know what i mean right so you get some good stuff but you don't get the best stuff and so if this is like you know the b level stuff i mean yeah. i can't imagine what the A-level stuff oh is going to look God. like when we get the full episode. So, I mean, just the whole trailer overall from the from start to finish, it just looked amazing. I mean, it really looked like they stepped up their game and spent a lot of money, you know, from Dragonstone to Drogon to the, the, the shot of Theon you were talking about. All of it just looked amazing. Like, they spared no expense. And, I mean, it really got me excited. For, for season seven, I agree, um, and that's that's pretty much all we have to talk about for this podcast. We've gone a little bit long, guys. We thank you for being patient with us tonight. Corey Thone had to duck out a little bit early, but that's okay. We got his uh, opinions that we needed, and he always provides levity that we always appreciate. It's been like an hour and 40 minutes. My God, I'm tired. My butt hurts. I need to stand up. Um, so for myself, Razor, 
for Corey Smith and for Isis, we want to say thanks for sticking with us for this long podcast. Thanks for being patient in our time off. But we're back, and as Season 7 starts to get closer, we're going to amp up the podcast. It'll be closer and closer together, and then when the season starts, we will have a podcast every week on time for you, ready to dissect every episode. So once again, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the trailer. I'm sure you did. Once again, this has been Take the Black. Mogudis. Bye. Love you. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.